you receive that this morning? Wasn't that good? Amen. How many of you expecting great things this year? How many of you believe God wants to uh, take us higher? How many of you believe He wants to bring the kind of transformation in our lives where our influence becomes stronger and greater? Amen? God never intended for us to stay the same. I believe 2016 is a year where we're going higher. We're going farther. Because the Bible says the path of the just. How many out there are justified in Christ? Amen? Path of the just shines more and more until that perfect day. In other words, that's, there's a process. I, I, I loved what John was reading today. And I, I don't know if you caught this when he was reading this. He's talking about a guy in the Alamo. And the enemy is coming against him. And you know what he did? Not only did he write the letter, but he was a man of prayer. He was a man who knew how to get a hold of God. And you know what I think that gave him the courage to stand and protect the Alamo? Was it was the faithfulness of God's presence, even though he and all of his other fellows were slaughtered. They literally died for the cause. How many of you have a cause to live for today? God wants to give us a reason for living. We're not just existing. Jesus gives us a reason for living. Amen? And if you don't know what your reason is and what that reason is and understand that purpose, then what happens, the Bible says, without a vision, we perish. Or the Bible also means that we cast off restraints and wander carelessly. We become careless in our walk without a vision. Uh, just a few minutes, I, I, I'm, I'm sharing this morning on a series on releasing heaven on earth. Uh, but before I go into that, I, I just felt my, in my spirit that the Lord wants to move among us. How many of you believe God wants to do a, a now work in our life? Not, we're not just here to sing songs and to pray prayer and to hear a pastor preach a message. But God wants to bring breakthrough in your life, in every area, amen? wants to bring breakthrough in your relationships, in your body. He wants to bring healing. And I love what Jesus said in Luke 4, 18. It says, for the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, upon him, and upon you, and has anointed you, he says, anointed him, amen, to bring the good news to those who are brokenhearted to open prison doors, to open the eyes of the blind, to set at liberty those that are bruised, to set you free is what he's saying, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now that should give us a lot of excitement. That should, that should uh, increase our sense of faith. Because when Jesus went away, he sent us the Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit. Amen? Now, how many of you know why God gave us the Comforter, the Holy Spirit? Because He was calling us to some uncomfortable situations. He knew that we were going to be made uncomfortable. There's things that we are called to do. There's paths that we will walk that will be uncomfortable. That's why He says, I'm sending the Comforter. Because there's going to be times when your faith is going to be shaken. It's going to be times when you're going to be hit like the Alamo. It's going to be times when you're facing the enemy and they're much larger than you, coming against you. 
And what, what God's Word is doing is He's reinforcing and He's helping us to understand our place, our identity in Him. Amen? I'm going to share just a, a very short testimony. Years ago, when I, uh, I remember I was very passionate uh, as a high school young person, really excited about the Lord, and I started a Bible study in my sophomore year in high school. And uh, there, I, about that year, about a dozen young people had come to the Lord. No, no, maybe not a dozen, maybe about eight or nine came to the Lord. And many others that were in the school I was, was into uh, became a part of the group. And it was just a Bible study group we had after school. And uh, there was a young lady in our school, a very beautiful, sweet little thing. And she comes up to me in the library one day, and she says, I know you're starting a Bible group. I don't know anything about Jesus. I don't know anything about the Bible. I come out of a real messed up, broken life in a broken home. And she says, I'd like you to tell me what this gospel good news. And so I shared the good news. I shared how Jesus came to die in her place. Jesus took the full punishment, the full blow of sin of all mankind and nailed it to the cross. And he declares you free. He declares you right with God. That so blew her away. It so blew her away that she, when I told her that she was made right with God, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, that he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be imputed the righteousness of God. And I looked at her across the table and I said, do you know right now you're not only forgiven, but you have been made right with Jesus in his sight and there is no pain, there is no shame, there is no curse on your life anymore. And she looked at me, tears coming down her face, and she could not believe what I was saying to her. She said, you mean Jesus has taken all my sins? And I said, not just the sins you've done, but even the sins in your future. Things that you will have done, may have done. And it was such an amazing thought to her. I prayed with her right across the table in my school library, and she received Jesus. And just... just her whole life, the first thing that happened when this young little lady got saved is the beam, the smile that was on her face. I mean, all of a sudden, joy filled her heart. Well, little did I know, because I was in a, uh, a high school that had about 3,500 students. So it was a big mega school. In fact, they joined two schools together to make what they referred to as Hood River Valley High School at the time. Well, little did I know that this nice little girl happened to be the girlfriend of one of the big gang leaders in our high school. And I didn't know that. And one day I was waiting for my school bus. This is about a week or two later. Uh, I'm, I'm waiting at my school bus. And these two brothers come up to me. And they want to pick a fight with me. They want to fight me. And I had no idea who they were. I'd seen them before. I knew they were kind of rough and tough and mean, and everybody was afraid of them. But they come to me, and one of the brothers that I did not realize, they were, they were called the Segura brothers. They were twin got, uh, Hispanic young men that was, uh, they just 
were mean. They, they, were, they loved to pick fights. I remember seeing a couple of times they would come up in the cafeteria, take people's plates, and just throw it on their head. Just, just a lot of weird, crazy, dumb things that I'd seen them do. Uh, I remember one time, he, uh, just this one young man, uh, one of the brothers, that they, they just love to mock teachers and make fun and all that. Well, anyway, they're coming to me. And for what reason, I don't know. And the school bus hadn't come yet, and there's a crowd of people around waiting to get on the bus. Long story short, the guy comes up to my face, to my nose, and starts yelling the most obscene profanity right in front of my face. And I'm saying, what is going on? And he, and he says, you took my girlfriend. I said, what? You took my girlfriend. I said, what, what girl? I, I don't even have a girlfriend. He says, well, what did you do to her? I said, well, who are you talking about? Well, it happened to be that girl I led to the Lord in the library. Well, I come to find out later on, because I went back to that young girl the next day. By the way, just uh, let me come back to that story. But when I went back to the girl the next day, I said, what, what? I didn't know you were dating the Segura brother. He says, oh, I forgot to tell you. I guess he's kind of mad because I don't have sex with him and I don't smoke pot with him anymore first. Now he's, now he's really mad at me. And I said, well, it would have been nice if you would have told me. But going back to the day at the bus stop, they're coming up to my face, screaming profanity, and right there, the Holy Spirit dropped this thought in my mind. He says, I want you to just manifest my love on them. I want you to just tell them the Father's love. And I said to this one young man who was yelling profanity, I said, I said would you like what she got? And she says, what are you talking about? I said, you know what happened to her? I said, I didn't break you up. I didn't have anything to do with breaking you two up. This young lady was under the curse of sin, under the shame of addiction, comes out of an abusive background in her family, and no father figure in her life, broken home, and for the first time in her life, she has found love. And this guy says, well, I'll tell you what love's all about with my fist, you know. And I said, listen, I looked at the guy, and the Lord literally gave me an amazing peace. And I said, do you know, his name was Gary Segura. I said, Gary, do you know that God wants to fill your heart with love right now? In fact, right now you can have the love of God and the, the peace of God can come in your heart. And I'm not kidding. These two guys, by the way, when, you, when, when things like this happen, all of a sudden a crowd gathers around. A fight! A fight! There's going to be a fight! Come on over! And I'm standing with these two Segura thugs in front of me, and, and I'm talking to them about the love of God and how Jesus really comes in and gives you peace, and He begins to transform your life, gives you a sense of purpose and vision. I said, I didn't have her break up with you. She, you know who she fell in love with? And he said, I was glad he asked that. Who did, she, who did he fall in love with? Are you the guy I should be fighting? I said, Jesus, God, fell in love with God. And he couldn't believe it. He had no idea that God could do something that magnificent. I said, go, let's go talk to her right now. Let's go find her. And the joy, have you noticed she's happy? 
By the way, as I'm talking to these two guys, they begin to walk away from me and back off. I said, well, wait a minute. Come on. Guys, come here. God wants to give you the same love. I tell you, if you ever want to kill a fight at school, just talk about the love of God. I mean, it just, it just takes the anger and the passion right out of them. You start saying, God loves you, man. And I love you too. Man, I got great news for you. Both of these guys turned around and walked off. Now, I honestly believe it was the presence of the Lord and the anointing on my life that put angels around me and protected me. Out of that encounter in that crowd, there was a young man by the name of Alan Tangwall. He was a friend of mine that heard me give the gospel to the Segura brothers. And the very next day, he joined our Bible study and he gave his heart to the Lord. And this is what he says. You know what? I've seen a lot of fights that the Segura brothers get into, but I've never seen him walk away from one. And I said, wow, that, that, that's a pretty awesome, I guess. <laughs> Although I wouldn't have fought back because I'm a big chicken. But uh, I knew that the what, but, but by the way, I wish I could tell you, I wish I could tell you that the Segura brothers found the Lord, but I don't know if that happened they, in the years I was there. But I, I want to tell you something. There was something powerful about the love of God. God's love is what breaks down walls. Amen. And it wasn't just in this young lady's life when she began to find purpose and meaning but she began to discover her sense of identity. How many of you know God wants us to realize that we're no longer orphans, we're no longer outcasts, we're sons and daughters of the King, amen? And that's so important for you to grasp that. I want you to jump with me in your Bibles for a few minutes into Ephesians chapter 2. Just a few thoughts, and then I want to talk about releasing heaven here on earth. I know our time is really moving. There's a lot been said already. And it's been great, but I want you to see something here that this is so important. Verse, chapter 2, verse 4, it says, But God, who is rich in His mercy because of the great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in our sins, He's made us alive together with Christ, the grace you have been, and with grace you have been saved. And... Uh, and has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. Now, Bible says here that by the riches of his grace, we've been raised up, made alive, and seated with him right now in heavenly places. Amen. How many of you don't want to know what that heavenly place is? Jump over with me to Revelations chapter 1. Just Work with me this morning. Revelations 1. I, I want to, amen, hear your... How many got their Bible out there? How many of you know it's good to bring Bibles to church? Amen. Let's, let's, let's learn the Word this morning. Notice what it says. Chapter 1, verse 4. Grace to you and peace from Him who is and who was and who is to come. From the seven spirits who are before His throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness. The firstborn from the dead. This is Jesus. And the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and hath made us, what? Kings. Everyone say kings. 
He's made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and, and, and dominion forever and ever. The Bible says we have been made kings and priests. In other words, God is saying, I want you to get used to royalty. I want you to get used to ruling and reigning. I want you to understand that you are no longer subject under the bondage of sin anymore. He's raised us up together. That means we're to think differently. That means that we're to live differently. That means that what Jesus has done for us is He's reconciled man to the Father whereby we now have a brand new normal. We are supernatural beings. Sin is not a part of our life anymore. We're not subject to bondage. We're not under. We are not survivors of abuse anymore. We're not survivors of alcoholism. We are made overcomers. We're kings and priests. God wants you to begin to pray like a king. He wants you to understand that you have dominion over your life. Let me tell you something. I had a guy come to me one time and says, Pastor, I just don't seem to get the breakthrough through a habit. I'm wrestling with a habit in my life and it seems to just take me down all the time. I said, you are not a slave to your habit. You're a king. You have dominion over all things as Jesus did. And you need to put those things under your feet. And he says, well, I don't necessarily feel victorious. Well, God didn't ask us to feel anything. What He's asked us to do is He's asked us to live and He's asked us to walk and He's asked us to walk in the Spirit. He's asked us to trust Him. He didn't ask us to feel anything. He's asked us to trust Him because my feelings get me in trouble. How many out there have ever felt like... How many have ever got your feelings out there and your feelings get you in trouble? Remember years ago, one day I, I was bored, and Sunday after on a Sunday afternoon, and my wife and I we'd been saving for years to buy a house, and one day I got in the mood to go out and buy a car, and I put the entire down payment for a house we were going to buy on a car. Bad decision. And you know what? Thank God in Oregon they have what they call this this three day remorse clause, and thank God. I, I was able to go back. I took the car back, got my money back. And of course, the salesman really embarrassed me. And I said, I can't believe we failed you. I said, no, you didn't fail me. I failed myself. I failed my wife. And I, I, I'm just, I, I was impulsive and I made a decision out of my feelings. Wow, did I learn a lesson. I do not want to live by my feelings. My feelings get me in trouble all the time especially when I want to do something quickly and I'm not really thinking about it. And I didn't pray about it. Thank God the Lord was able to, I was able to recover and get the car back, get our money back. And thank God we were able to buy a home, which we ultimately did a couple months later. But, but I was impulsive because I was bored. You know what? One of the dangerous places for any believer is when they're bored. But, but I, I want you to understand here, as a king and a priest, the apostle John here is telling us that the blood of Jesus not only redeemed us and washed us, but he raised us and elevated us to the stature of a king and a priest. Now, God wants you to think like that. 
And the reason why I'm saying that this morning is God wants us to begin to pray like that. He wants you to pray as one who is seated with Christ. Do you know what a sit, seating or a, a, a king who is seated? A, a seated king, a king who is seated on his throne, seated at his throne, speaks of rest. It also speaks of victory that is finished and completed. The Bible says we are seated with Christ. In other words, we are at rest. We are no longer wrestling against flesh and blood. We are no longer at war. But see, my position in prayer is that I'm a king. I want you to jump back with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 1. I want you to see, here is a man who was a king. He's one of the first, not the first, but he was one of the uh, 2 Chronicles chapter uh, 1, if you go back with me in your Bibles. I want to read a prayer, a particular prayer by Solomon that he made to the Lord. This is where God comes to Solomon in the night, and he's a seated, seated king, and he just become king. The Bible says David, his father, had died, and, and Solomon was anointed to be king. Chapter 1, verse 1 of Second Chronicles, it says, Now Solomon, the son of David, was strengthened in his kingdom, and the Lord his God was with him and exalted him exceedingly. Notice what God did. It says, the Lord exalted him exceedingly. Jump all the way down uh, in verse 6. And Solomon went up there to the bronze altar before the Lord. He, he brought all these sacrifices, and he made the sacrifices, of uh, offered thousand burnt offerings, And on that night, God appeared to Solomon and said to him, Ask what I shall give you. How many of you would like to have God say that to you? Ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said to the Lord, You have shown mercy to David my father and have made me king in his place. Stop right there. I want you to hear what Solomon is saying. He says, you've shown mercy to my father. You know what that tells me? That tells me that David was transparent to his family. It shows me that Solomon recognized God's hand and providence over David's life. It's interesting that Solomon says, you've been merciful to my father. Why is that? Let me tell you something. David had shared the testimony. He'd obviously realized that his mother was Bathsheba. He probably wouldn't have been here or there had it not been for a sin problem. There was an, a, there was an affair that had taken place. David, not only did he go out and commit adultery, but he used his position as a king to conspire and to kill another man. He committed murder. And then he had the gall to cover it out. Well, Solomon began as he grew up. I'm sure he heard this testimony. And David might have shared it to him. But here's what is so important. Solomon recognized that God was merciful to his father, David. How many of you know our children need to know that God is merciful? It is important that we could see Solomon received a testimony and he he received the testimony that his dad wasn't perfect. His dad obviously had flaws. Not only did he commit an affair, 
But later on, he numbered Israel and caused Israel to sin. And 70,000 men were killed by a plague because of David's sin. He numbered Israel. But here we find that, that David is dead now. Solomon's in his place. And the Lord says, I want you to ask of me whatever you want and I will give it to you. And Solomon remembers the mercy of the Lord. And he says this to the Lord. Now, O Lord God, verse 9, let your promise to David, my father, be established. For you have made him king, made me king over the people, like the dust of the earth in multitude. Now give me wisdom and knowledge that I might go out and come in before this people. For who can judge this great people of yours? Then God said to Solomon, because this was in your heart and and that you have not asked for riches or wealth or honor, nor the life of your enemies, nor have you asked for long life. But because you've asked for wisdom and knowledge for yourself, that you may judge my people over whom I've made you king, wisdom and knowledge are granted to you. And I will give you riches and wealth and honor such as none of the kings have had who were before you, nor shall any after you have this like this. Can you say amen? Now, I've often wondered how in the world did Solomon get to a place where God would ask him and make such an offer like that? How many of you would like to know what that would be like? For God to say, notice what he didn't ask. He didn't ask for wealth. He didn't ask for riches. But he said, Lord, give me wisdom. Give me wisdom. Here's here's the key right here when it comes to our prayer. When we begin to pray prayers that are in line with God's heart, when we begin to align our prayer and our desires with what God's desires are, God throws the rest of it in as a benefit. He begins to give you. In other words, what was Solomon's desire? His desire was, Lord, give me wisdom so that I might be able to judge. The word judge doesn't mean to be condescending or hurtful. It literally means to discern as a a king. That I might be able to discern, to know right from wrong, to understand what is holy and what is unholy. That I might be able to serve as a king your people. In other words, when Solomon, in his prayer, began to ask the Lord how he might be able to best serve other people, God says, because you didn't ask for the neck of your enemy and wealth and riches and honor, I'm going to throw all that in on top of it. Isn't that amazing? So many, I I remember one time, this is no kidding. I had a guy several years, it wasn't in this church. I was at, said, Pastor, I just pray that God would give me the wisdom to win the lottery. I'm not kidding you. It was at another church I was, he says, I said, are you you for real? He said, yeah. He says, there's a mathematical calculated way and I I love math and I'm I'm just asking God because when I win the lottery, man, I'm really going to give to the kingdom of God. And he was making, and I said, well, you know what? I'm going to ask God to give you wisdom instead. But, uh, you know, I said, you're asking for the wrong thing. Well, doesn't God want me to have wealth and honor? I said, absolutely. But if you're doing it for yourself, and you're not thinking about the kingdom, 
Amen. Then God may not necessarily be answering that prayer. Now here we have a king. We have a king here who in his time of prayer asking the Lord for wisdom on how he might be able to serve. I wonder what would happen if we as fathers, we as mothers, would begin to ask God for wisdom on how we can raise our children. How we can speak life to them. Amen? How we can encourage them. How we can build into their life. Because you see, we're kings. We're priests. We have dominion. We have victory over the enemy. I want you to jump with me also into Daniel. Turn turn with me to Daniel chapter 9. This is a time. Another man of prayer in the Bible. Daniel chapter 9. Or actually, go with me to Daniel chapter 10. It says, verse 2, In those days I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. He was fasting and praying for 21 days. In fact, folks, that's what we're doing over the next three weeks. We're fasting and praying. My wife and I have already started. We've been in this fast already. It says, I ate no pleasant food, no meat, wine, came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all. That literally means he didn't take a bath till three whole weeks were fulfilled. Now this is in particular, it's called a Daniel fast. He had some type of vegetables, probably water, but he ate no pleasant food, no comfort food, no meat, no wine, came into his mouth until they were fulfilled. And I love what it says, that all of a sudden, verse 5, he lifts up his eyes and he sees a man clothed in linen. God begins to speak to him through this angel And it says that he became very weak and he begins to tremble and he falls to the ground in verse 9. Verse 10, it says, Suddenly the hand hand touched me, which had made me tremble on my knees and in the palms of my hands. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright for I have now been sent to you While he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. Then he said to me, do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day, everyone say first day. I want you to get this. From the first day, you begin to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before God. Your words were heard And I have come because of your words. Everyone say words. It didn't say I've come because of your thoughts. I didn't come because of your... It says I come. Prayer is saying it. Amen. How many of you know we got to speak when we pray? There's something that turns God's... Now I understand there's times where we're meditating. And I know even in 1 Samuel 1 where it says that that Hannah, when she prayed, she mumbled her, her prayer to God. And it says, Eli marked her mouth. But the Bible says, Jesus said, when ye pray, say, our Father, which art in heaven. There's something about the word that comes out of my mouth. And as the word comes forth from my mouth, it enters into your ears. And how many of you know that your mind... Listen to me, your mind is stronger than your heart. And you see, one of the reasons why I need to speak the word is because when I say something and speak the word, 
that usually is contradicting what my mind is thinking or believing, the spoken word can transform your mind. Because, see, faith means I'm speaking what I don't believe. See, that's why I need to speak the word because my mind says one thing. My mind says, God's not here. God's not real. God's not going to answer. My mind says that. But when I begin to speak, God's word will never pass away. God's word is truth. God's word is alive and real. But my mind may be thinking the opposite. Guess who's going to win out? The creative spoken word. Now that's important. That we pray with our mouth. Some of you may wonder, well, you know, Pastor, I I often wonder why you're down here and lifting up your voice and shouting. Is because Ray Galligan gets bombarded with a lot of nasty thoughts. And a lot of bad thoughts. And so you know what? I'm not doing it to impress you. I'm doing it because I'm in the middle of spiritual warfare. I'm not lifting my voice so, oh, Pastor Ray just wants to kind of let everybody know he's a big worshiper down there. No, no. I'm doing it because the devil comes in my mind and says, God's not going to come through for you. You're not going to prevail, Ray. You will not win. The devil tells me that all the time. Ray, you're just a low life. You're forgotten. You, you are lost. God... The devil plants those thoughts in my mind. How many of you ever had that happen to you? The devil comes and says, you're forgotten, you're lost, nobody's thinking about you, you're not going to make it. Those kind of negative, demonic thoughts. You need to say, as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord, for I realize that He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all I can ask or think, and I will not stop stop talking about it. Some people have been raised to think, well, I thought prayer was kind of a private, personal little thing in your heart. Well, I I, I understand that there's times where we are waiting before the Lord in silent quietness. And there's a time, especially when you need to listen to the Lord in your spirit. But at the same time, when we pray, we need to understand, especially if you're in a battle, If you're in a battle, especially when you're praying for the sick, you're praying for your marriage, sometimes you might, by the way, you you might get a little passionate. You might just say, Father, thank you that you're a mighty God. You're awesome God. And I begin to speak and I declare. And so what happens here, the angel says, I've come for your words. But notice verse 13. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia, withstood me 21 days. This is, he's talking about a demonic entity that is coming against him. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princesses, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days. I want you to jump down. Verse 18, then again, The one having the likeness of a man touched me and strengthened me. And he said, O man, greatly beloved, fear not. Peace be with you. Be strong. Yes, be strong. So when he spoke to me, I was strengthened. And said, let 
My Lord, speak, for you have strengthened me. Then he said, Do you know why I have come to you? And now I must return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I have come forth, indeed, the prince of Greece will come. But I tell you what is noted in the scripture of truth. No one upholds me against these except Michael, your prince. Everyone say your. Do you know that every one of you have an angel that's fighting for you? You have angels that are dispensed at your command. When you begin to speak, what is happening here to Daniel is that we find that Gabriel comes. He's the one who brings the message. But when he comes, the the prince of Persia, from the day he began to pray, do you know that when you begin to pray, demons begin to seek to conflict and thwart the plan of God or the purpose and the plan of God? And as he's praying here, he's giving him insight to what happened when he was praying. That's what's going on here. As he was praying, and as he's praying for the nation, Daniel was praying for the nation of Israel, and God begins to reveal his purpose. But then he says, when he leaves, he says, I am, or Michael, is your warrior. He's your warrior prince. That's, I don't know about you, but that's pretty comforting to know that we got warriors in the angelic realm that are doing battle for us. But he said this, I've come for your words. I've come for your words. And I, I say this to you folks because I know that we need to have the right words. We need to begin to bring our thoughts. I want you to take your little uh, handout. I put a handout in your box this morning I'm gonna, or in your uh, notes. I want to go through very quickly. I know my time is gone. The power of a praying church. And what happens when we pray? What are the components of prayer and how we should pray? And I'm going to move through these very quickly. Because in order for you to be an effective, effectual man, woman of God with prayer, it starts, letter A, with a healthy relationship with our Heavenly Father and knows that you are His delight and special treasure. Amen. Do you know that you bring Him delight and you're a special treasure? You are not an outcast. My relationship with my heavenly Father in that He treasures me. He delights in me. In fact, the Bible says in Revelations that I bring Him pleasure. You please Him. Do you know why you please Him? Because Jesus has made an atonement for all of us. It's not about your works. It's not even about your obedience. It's about what Jesus has accomplished. He he delights. I, I have to know that. Because it gives strength to the second point. Prayer involves coming boldly to the Father through Jesus. Hebrews 10 says that we enter into His presence by the blood of the Lamb. Hebrews 4 says, Therefore, coming boldly to the throne of grace in the time of need. Now, God does not want, and listen to me, and I've seen this so much in the church, where we... We almost act like beggars or just paupers. Oh, God, please, 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 God, help me. I understand that there's times where we're going through some grieving or some painful situations or there might be times, but, but God wants us to come boldly with a sense of expectancy. And here's the reason is because 
He wants you to know you're His child. You're His son. You're His daughter. And do you know that He's proud of you? He wants a relationship. I need to understand. Now, boldness is not arrogance. Boldness is simply the confidence that I have because I know who I am and what He's accomplished for me. And you know what? I, I can say to you that I'm a son I'm a king, I'm a priest, I'm victorious, I'm an overcomer, the devil's behind me, I'm no longer a hostage to my past, I'm victorious, you're an awesome people, you're victorious people, God has some amazing things this year for you. You know, the Lord spoke to me one thing, that those who believe and expect are going to experience great things. But there's many of us that are not expecting anything in 2016. Some of us are thinking, well, 2016 will be like 2015. Can I say something to you? I, and I say this, thus saith the Lord. This year is going to be a new year for His people because you're no longer the same. You're coming with faith, expectancy. You have been raised, seated with Christ. That means you are seated, seated, as a ruling, victorious king. Jesus does not rule over a defeated kingdom. You're part of a kingdom, and you have, you've already been declared the winner. You may say, well, pastor, why am I not experiencing the victory in my own life then? Here's the reason why you may not. First of all, we don't go by what we see. My victory is not based on the circumstances that are going on around me. I, I heard of a, uh, John was talking about Syria today. Let me tell you, I, I've heard of many stories in China because I, I have some missionary friends. There's, there's pastors that have lost their life, persecuted, literally put to death. Over in China, part of, one of their ways of capital punishment is electrocution, and one of the other ways is being buried alive. It's what they do in China. They bury you alive if you're a believer. In some cases, they, they, they feel it's like a crime against their government, and they will bury you alive. They, I heard of a family, an entire family, being buried alive because the father would not renounce Jesus Christ and would stop preaching. So they buried the entire family alive. Now, some of us would say, well, how hideous. Why would God allow such a thing? Let me just say, say something about that. Paul said it this way, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. There's something about a believer. When we come to know Jesus, there's something, and that's why people in that realm, God gives them the grace to go through those seasons. But we need to come boldly. Number, letter C, letter C. How many of you know prayer means that we need to be real and honest and open before the Lord with no religious pretense? I got, prayer means just being real. Letter D. Letter D. Prayer requires us to focus. Everyone say focus. Now, one of the things in prayer, as we pray through the next three weeks, let me tell you, you're going to hear a lot of head chatter. How many have ever heard head chatter when you get into prayer? Head chatter is like this. Well, I got to pick up the kids after school. And then I got to do this. I got to mow my lawn. I got to take my dog to the, the vet. I got this to do tomorrow. I wonder what's cooking in the oven right now. Oh man, I left the milk out on the counter. How many of you ever know when you get down to prayer, you get all this head chatter? Folks, it's not an accident. The devil wants to put things on your mind. Oh my George. Oh, I left my son at school today. Oh, 
all of a sudden your head is just swimming with everything you didn't do, what you should have done, could have done, and all of these things. Now, folks, I'm telling you this because I've had the problem. Prayer involves setting your focus. And one of the best ways to set your focus is to take your Bible out and begin to read either through the Psalms and to begin to read Scripture. And as you read the Scripture, the Word of God will give you a pathway for prayer. It gives you a path to pray in. In other words, you can go into Psalms 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge. You see, I, that, that, that is in my mind, and now I speak it with my mouth, and now my brain becomes transformed, and my brain begins to line up with the will of God, with the Spirit of God. And so prayer involves the discipline and focus. And that's another reason for speaking prayer. When you begin to talk about what you're thinking and what, you're, what the Word is saying, you cannot daydream. Daydreaming, I understand there's times for waiting, but we need to learn how to pray. Number, number five here. Prayer also involves listening. Everyone say listen. This is a place of rest. You know, I, I've got to relax. I've got to get myself, my body, my mind. Sometimes for me, I usually do my prayer time early in the morning. But even getting up, I, I know my mind is racing. And here's what I do. I just, I literally just kind of breathe. I just kind of breathe and I just say, Father, I just enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. I worship him. Then I focus on the blood of Jesus, how his blood has washed me, cleansed me, how he calls me his own, calls me his son, calls me his own and loves me. And he's raised me. He cherishes my thoughts. He cherishes who I am in his presence. He, you, you are cherished by him. You're cherished by him. And he loves you. And so that I need to listen. I need to know how to listen. And I need to listen to words that are empowering words. I need to shut out the negative garbage that the devil would like to do. How many of you have ever gone to prayer and the devil, all he does is remind you of what you haven't done? Reminds you of how many, do you know how many times you have failed God? This time you have gone beyond the point of no return. I mean, the devil has done that to me. But I'll say, you know what, devil? Get behind me. I'm a son of God. I'm consecrated to Jesus. I've offered my body as a living sacrifice to you, Lord, holy and acceptable in your sight. And as I confess these things, all of a sudden, the peace of God fills my life. Now, I know some of you may say, well, Pastor Ray, you know, I, I'm not used to talking and, and, and speaking my prayers. Well, praise God. Amen. The Bible says out of the mouth, amen, we speak. Out of, out, of, out of our heart, the mouth speaks. And we, we speak the word of the Lord. And we need to learn to listen. We need to learn to contemplate and meditate on the goodness of God. We need to learn to contemplate as we're listening what he's saying. And I would like to write, suggest that everyone, I, I do this, I, I can't, and I, I'm not telling you to, I'm, this is a suggestion, 
I, I have a prayer journal. I have to journal things because it's when you journal things, you remember them. I, I, I have forgotten many good things that God has spoken to me about. So journal that. Letter F, prayer will involve perseverance. Luke 18.1 says, Then Jesus spoke a parable to them that men ought to always pray and not lose heart or not give up. Perseverance. Sometimes prayer is going to involve waiting. It's going to involve believing God. It's going to involve giving thanks and worship. It's perseverance. There's been times where I have wanted to give up. And my wife, as we pray together, Carol will pray, God, give my husband perseverance to believe and not quit. God, help Ray believe God and not quit. It finally sinks in. Thank you, Carol. How many of you know the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much? Or a woman? And when she is speaking those words over me, it sinks in. Do you know the number one reason why God puts a help meet in your life? It's not just for saving money or procreation. It's not just for buying a house, building a future, or having a friend through life. Do you know one of the most important reasons why God put two together? For the purpose of prayer. When two on earth, amen, one will put a thousand, two will put ten thousand to fly. The purpose of marriage is when two on earth agree, it just brings amazing breakthroughs. Supernatural. That's why the devil hates husbands and wives praying together. He knows the power of prayer and the power of agreement. Good preaching, Pastor Ray. Amen. Thank you. That's so important that we understand that. You know, there's times where I've prayed with Carol and I didn't want to because I just had an argument with her. I had a disagreement. I said, Carol, we need to pray. But first I need to apologize. So I'll apologize first to Carol. Carol, I didn't talk to you too well yesterday. Please forgive me. How many of you know it's important to speak to your spouse in a good way? 2 Peter 2 says that if a man or a husband does not honor his wife, his prayers will be hindered. So it doesn't do any good to pray if this relationship is broken. So I need to reconcile it. Amen? Amen. I don't want any elbows going on between spouses here right now. Praise God. We just need to realize that if I want something working this way, I need to make sure it's working this way first. And there's been many times I'll say, Carol, I need to say something to you. I, I didn't hear you. I didn't listen. My attitude was not good. Please forgive me. I still do that to this day. Because Ray is not a model husband yet. I have not arrived. And so I still have to apologize and it's important that we, we take those things into consideration. Letter G. Prayer means to think big. Everyone say big. God wants you to realize that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek you and believe as you visualize God's promises for your life. You need to think big. Thinking big for 2016. How many of you believe that's a good focus? I'm going to think bigger. Don't, don't just settle for mediocrity. Let's 
pursue the greatness of all that God has. The last thing here is this. Prayer involves using your keys. Jesus said to Peter, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. The keys of the kingdom is the authority to the church. He says, whatever you bind with your mouth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose. There's some things we need to bind. How many of you know we we need to bind the spirit of fear? I need to bind arrogance. I might need to bind the spirit of pride. Sometimes I might need to bind the lie of the enemy, the lie that comes into your mind and your heart. Prayer involves using the keys. The devil wants you to realize, he wants you to think you have no keys. Your words make no difference. It's a lie from the enemy. Your prayer makes a difference. Now, I want you to take something. We're going to do one more exercise and close. I got this colored imprint. Can we all stand to our feet this morning? Let's stand to our feet. What I'm doing this for is I want us to get used to what we're going to be doing in the next two weeks. We're going to be releasing heaven on earth. I'd like you to get with a partner, one person, uh, and I'd like us to get together, and I want you to pray this prayer over your partner, and then turn the sheet over, and then we're going to make declarations. We're going to declare the word of the Lord, because prayer involves not only agreement, but we're going to pray. Now, you may say, Pastor Ray, why are we doing this? James 5 says this, pray one for another. Pray one for another that you may be healed. What we're going to do this morning is body ministry. I know it would be easy just to close the service, but I really felt the Lord impress on me this morning that we are to pray this, these words of empowerment. You may say, well, Pastor, I don't need this. Well, then you don't have to use it. But this gives you a roadmap And it's a prayer. And if we could just go ahead right now. Now, I'd like you to pray out loud if you can. It's okay if others hear you because you're not praying anything. There's nothing embarrassing here. It's literally a prayer of empowerment. But what's happening is there's an impartation. There's impartation going on right now. If we can do that. So go ahead right now. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit that you baptized me. I lay my hands on my brother and speak life and honor to them. Because they live to honor and please you, Lord. I ask you, Father, to empower my brother. Faith to move mountains and to believe for extraordinary, unusual miracles. Let this expectation be a part of their everyday life. Expand their vision beyond what they could ever ask or think until the normal life becomes of abundance in Jesus' name. Yes. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And then turn the sheet over and, and then make that declaration over your partner. I declare the name of Jesus. 
over my brother. I pray that their minds will be renewed and empowered to think thoughts and declare words that transform an atmosphere around them. I thank you, Lord, that you, yes, Lord, free, victorious, and powerful, abundantly able to do it far above. Thank you, Lord. You'll shut the gates of hell as they pray and seek first the kingdom. I am honored, Lord, to have crossed paths with them. And we embrace as a year for breakthrough, prosperity, to spread the influence of your kingdom. I declare this brother an overcomer by the blood of from this may they always release heaven on earth. Thank you, Lord. And then just have the other person do the same thing. Have them pray for you and then make that prophetic declaration. Please. Thank you, Lord. Lord Jesus, let your, let your will be done. Let your promise be accomplished. <clears throat> Seek to hinder and distract my brother from reaching their intended goal. You declare them free, victorious, and powerful, abundantly able to do exceedingly far above what they can ask or think because of the power that resides for hope and a future prosperity and favor to their lives and their descendants. Lord Jesus caused the wound of your precious Jesus name. We have passed. We have Jesus is bringing home. I declare this overcome by the blood of Jesus. From this time, make this glory and release heaven on earth. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Blessing, blessing, Hallelujah.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I just want to give you a, a scripture. When I was in prayer earlier this morning, the Lord reminded me of 1 John. It says, If our hearts condemn us, God is greater. Greater is he who is within you than he that's in the world. You know, church, God has called us to think and speak on a whole new level. He's called us to believe and dream. This is the year of dreams. The year where the Lord's going to release the dreams of his people. So many of you have been in a wilderness and God wants to bring you into a promised land. He wants you to surrender and trust Him. Greater is He who is within you than he that's in the world. I want us to say this together. Say this with me. We are not looking back. We are not going back. We're moving forward. Our eyes are on Jesus. We can see his promises. And he has declared us his people. Amen. Father, we just close this time. We just thank you, Father, that it's not by might nor by power but it's by your Spirit. And Lord, these people are hungry. This church is so thirsty for a move of God. These people are so ready. We're ready, Lord. All that you have. We're not looking back. We're not going back. We're coming towards you. We're moving towards you this year. Seeking first your kingdom. We're not going to let the habits and problems of the past hold us any longer. We just run to Jesus. Lord, let your presence be with us. As we come into this season of prayer, we know that this is holy ground. Lord, we separate ourselves unto you to seek your face to know you, to know your will. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Give someone a hug. God bless you. Tomorrow we'll start our prayer time in the sanctuary.